This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and, if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability in the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, firstly, I do hope that you had a lovely festive period and found time to get outdoors and enjoy the benefits of surrounding yourself in the natural world. And we are clear now that we all need our daily dose of nature. Scientists have shown that seeing trees, hearing birdsong, smelling the earth help us recover from illness, reduce stress and even make us feel less lonely. Now, in the last show, we heard from four local people who love being out in nature and who have acquired a deep knowledge of it. We heard from local ecologist and author Joe Gray, long-time active member of Friends of Batchwood, Miles Soppet, chair of the Vare Valley Society, John Pritchard, and Heidi Carruthers, who heads up the Wilder St Albans Project for the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust. Now, the first question I put to them was, where did your love of nature begin and how did it start you on your learning journey? And their answers were surprisingly diverse. If you didn't hear about John's granddad's pet eel, Heidi's menagerie or the drunken conversation that started miles on his learning journey, then head to the podcast page of RadioRevelon.com and listen to the podcast of the show at your leisure. So now you've heard about how these four nature experts got started, I was interested to know how they keep their knowledge growing and where we should start if we'd like to start learning more. Now John has a nice easy suggestion if you'd like to learn more about the birds around you. Gardening is actually quite a good way of learning because you you think I can hear a bird call and, and, and you think well I'm not familiar with that and so you look and look and maybe you don't see it and then you hear it again a week or two or a month later and then eventually you manage to connect the two together. It's abs- Well, for me, it's absolutely hopeless trying to listen to a recording of bird sounds and then trying to remember them to look out or listen out for the bird when you're in the field. That doesn't work for me. Sometimes you can record it on your phone and you might, if you've got a half an idea what it is, you might be able to confirm it. But it's much better to work the other way around. And then eventually you'll know the call of um, or various calls of 25, 30, 40 birds, particularly the ones near your garden. And if there's a noise that you don't recognise, a call that you don't recognise, you think, hang on a minute, that one's worth pursuing. And then you look for the the new bird on the block, if you like. So I I think that's just always just keeping your ears open and and wanting to, to try and improve your knowledge. And for garden, read garden, park or open space. Birds are all around us and with a little careful listening, we can become more aware of them. I know I advocate listening to podcasts of this show, but it's also good to take out the earbuds and just listen to what nature has to offer. But that's not to say that technology can't help us learn. John's got a tip if you need help identifying birdsong. Well, there's, there's a very good free site called Zeno Canto. Um, which is a website, xeno-canto.org, I think. And they've got bird sounds free, uploaded and you can download them. You can listen to them for free from around the world. So if you've got half an idea of what it is, you're, you th- is that, that's an owl. Is it a tawny owl or a, um, a barn owl, for example, calling at night? You can go on and you can check out the most um, popular calls, if you like, from, from, from let's say, those two and work out what it might be. 
That really does sound useful and will help where books can't. In fact, John finds that the online space provides a great place for people to share their learning about wild things. I like this tip if you're having trouble identifying wildflowers that you've found. There's a really good um, online community of people who are interested in the outdoors, um, interested in, in nature for sure. I mean, take another one is, is Wildflower Hour um, on Twitter. And every Sunday, if you use the hashtag Wildflower ID, um, they'll have a, a wildflower expert will identify your um, photograph of a, of a flower that you haven't been able to identify. So as long as you show some willing, I mean, I don't think you want to be putting up 20 f- pictures of all the flowers you've seen this week. As long as you've tried to make an effort to guess what it might be or or whatever, um, then they'll do they'll do their best, best to help you d- um, work out what it is. And again, you soon build up a catalogue in your mind of the plants that are local to you and you can you can add to it. So do check out Wildflower Hour, as well as being a great place to learn more. It's also interesting to see what other people are spotting around the country. Now there are apps which will claim to identify pretty much everything for you. But John favours the human touch. I tend not to use the apps that you can get that will identify. You show it a photo and it'll give you a pretty good guess. Yeah, they're good. But if you can deal with real people and the vagaries of plumages or uh, flowers as well, the different times of the year, I I think that's much more better and much better and much more rewarding. You're probably thinking that it's fine for people like John who already seem to know everything about nature, but even he has learned about whole new areas later on in life. I didn't know much about dragonflies and damselflies, if you like, before my um, interest in the River Ver. So now, because I'm on the river a lot, I see those sorts of things more often. So I've been interested to know what they are. Um, and there's some, again, good online sources for, for uh, photographs. So some people specialise in photographing tra- dragonflies and damselflies. So, and again, they've all got different um, distinguishing features. So it's not too difficult to work out what they are once you know what you're looking for. And if you, again, if you can take photographs of them, even on your on your phone, then you can quite often get pretty close or to the exact one that you're that you're, you're looking at. Joe, too, still thinks he has a lot to learn, but he favours more traditional methods. I like, I like books. I like field guides. I think field guides are really, really useful when combined with sort of spending time in nature, testing yourself, trying to remember things, learning new things, learning the connections between things. That is a, a big part of my learning um, and continues to be the other main pillar. Is spending time with other, other people, kind, knowledgeable souls who have been very good to me and very happy to pass on their knowledge to me to answer my question when I've already answered it nine times before what's this species of flower maybe the tenth time it sticks so that's been of sort of um, inestimable importance really the 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 time spent with with other people so those yeah but field guides time in nature and time spent with other more knowledgeable and very kind people has been my my formula And Heidi agrees. For her, spending time with other knowledgeable people is crucial. I think surrounding yourself with other people who are knowledgeable, all wanting to learn more is a much more powerful experience for anyone to have. There are so many 
brilliant free events and activities and stuff going on locally you know whether it is with your local conservation charities or local volunteering groups that are putting on putting on guided walks or you know there, there is a lot going on so I'd say go to go to some of these events and activities you know face to face if possible because you can't kind of beat being around other people when you're learning um, but there are also online plenty of things happening online at the moment as well. Now, Heidi didn't single out the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust for whom she works, but they do hold lots of events in person and online, hosted by super interesting people on all sorts of subjects. I tuned into an online event at the end of last year and discovered a whole new world of slime moulds. They might sound disgusting, but when you look closely, they're astonishingly beautiful and can be found in all sorts of places. So do take a look at the events page of the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust website for all the events coming up this year and do book early because they are very popular. Now there's an online event on identifying wetland wildfowl on the 11th of January and on the 25th of January there's an event over at Hartford Heath on winter identification of trees. That's just a couple as a taster. Joe has got another organisation to recommend. For people in, in St Albans and, and Hertfordshire, I'd certainly recommend they take a look at the website of the Hearts Natural History Society. The Hearts Natural History Society is, is a really nice organisation. One of the things they do is, is um, offer an online calendar of, of events, of field meetings that are going on around the county. Most of these are, are, are sort of aimed at aimed at adults, certainly not um, children's, you would be welcome on, on, on them. But generally, you know, mostly attended by adults, these, these the activities that are listed there. And, and quite a number of them are, are run by a, an, uh, an organisation called the British Naturalists Association, which has various branches around the country. Um, we're lucky to have one in Hearts, which has been very active for, I think, well over 70 years now. In fact, we uh, recently had a, a field meeting on the urban streets of St Albans and uh, found many interesting things. So um, definitely check out the, yeah, the calendar on the Hearts Natural History Society. Find out what local groups there are, who's meeting when, and that, that, yeah, that, that'll, that may just get you started, get you those connections you need. Which all sounds fine, Joe, but how about if I really don't know much about nature? Would this be suitable for a complete beginner? Definitely, yeah. I think, yeah, as, as long as you have a, an appetite to learn and an interest, then absolutely, yeah. I've never never been on a on a, on a meeting where I felt that someone would, wouldn't be comfortable if they, were, if they had sort of beginner-level knowledge because um, everyone's got to start somewhere. Well, that is good to hear because, as Joe says, we do all have to start somewhere. I asked John whether helping with the Vare Valley Society working parties might be a way not just of doing something satisfying to help the Vare, but also learn something about river wildlife too. Yes, I mean, that's not a, not a bad place. I guess we're always finding a, a toad or a crayfish or, or whatever, and we get to, sometimes get to go to bits of the river that, you, that, that, that there's no public access, so occasionally you get to see a secret bit of the river. That could be quite a good way. Um, I think... Probably the best way to start is to come on some of the more formally organised. Uh, they're, they're they're informal in, in ways, but if, if it's a bat walk, or we'll probably do a water vole walk, walk next year. No guarantees. Um, we've done beginners bird walks before. Those sorts of things are good to go on. Um, or join up with one of the other local groups like RSPB St Albans, so that they're, they're, they're very forgiving and, and um, keen to have new members. 
Um, so even if you you're not don't feel you're particularly experienced, there's nothing uh, you know, that come along. I think is 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 the, um, the the best course of action. John's absolutely right that St Albans RSPB are a very friendly and welcoming group who love to see new people to share their knowledge with. Their website says you do not need to be a member of the RSPB or local group to join them on events and birdwatching experience is not necessary. So you're guaranteed a warm welcome there. The Hearts and Middlesex branch of Butterfly Conservation is another knowledgeable and welcoming local group that holds events where you can learn from others. And there are so many more. Do take a look at the Wilder St Albans page of the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust website for links to a whole range of local groups. And joining the Wilderhood Watch, the local group that works together to make their streets better for nature, whilst not professing to have people with any particular wildlife knowledge, is somewhere that you can share what you have observed in your outside space and work with others to increase your knowledge. So take a look at the Wilderhood Watch website or their Facebook page to get in touch and see if you can join one of their WhatsApp groups. But even if meetings and joining groups aren't your cup of tea, the essentials of learning about nature are very simple. For Miles, it's all about mindset. I'll see things that other people don't see. I'm a bit that way, just looking and, and remembering and, and look, at, look along a wider um, arc than perhaps most people do and then you start seeing things. You know, I can sit with people and say, look, there's a, you know, we've got a tree creeper. Now, if we're in the wood, there's there's a woodpecker, and and I'll see them, and I say, well, how do you, you know how do you do that? Well, it's because I'm looking. I think it's something you have to learn. So Miles thinks that it's essentially about taking the time to be observant, to notice, and to question. And John agrees. But it's more about having an inquisitive mind. That's the that's the thing. If you see a new, a freshly dug hole on the riverbank, you think, well, what did that? rather than just either not noticing or walking by. And the other week that happened, I thought, whatever's that? And I noticed that there were um, some honeycomb and I realised that a badger had dug out the wasp's nest that was on the bank for the grubs that were in the nest. Well, you've just got to join the pieces together to work to, you know, to solve the puzzle, really. Um, but you need, to, you need to have the right sort of mind or interest to do it in the first place. So we need to keep our eyes open and be inquisitive. Whilst there is something satisfying about any kind of learning, Joe thinks there are also other benefits to finding out about nature. So perhaps first and foremost, it enriches my experience of, of being in nature, um, learning about you know, the identities of others, their ecological needs, the connectedness, the interconnectedness of, of different beings. That, that really enhances my experience and I think it and, it and it helps me be a better defender of nature you know it puts you in a position to write informed more informed responses to local consultations that type of thing so I think that's the the the, the principal overriding factor but it, yeah it's, it's it's also there is also that that level of personal satisfaction from learning from expanding your knowledge in a field and um, through dedicating yourself to something which I think is important and there's also the you know the personal satisfaction that comes from realizing that you've you've seen a species that perhaps you haven't seen before something you can only really know by knowing how to identify different species so there's there's different levels of personal satisfaction as well as a, a greater overlying purpose to it all and john hopes that he will be part of the handing down of natural wisdom that his grandfather started with him all those years ago it's only when i talk to you and you think 
well, perhaps I do know a bit more than the, the, than the average person. And I, you know, people always say to me, "Oh, you should host host a few walks and so on." And I enjoy that too. I do enjoy imparting information. You know, I still remember Peter Scott. I'm not quite quite in his league, but you know, he inspired a, a young schoolboy to to, to 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 a lifetime, if you like, along with one or two other people, of course. But um, those sorts of stories, you think, well, yes, if people talked nicely about me in 50 years after I'd gone, then 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 that will be be something to be remembered for. So there we go. Perhaps you're even doing John a favour by attending one of his walks and allowing him to pass on what he knows about nature to you. And as Joe says, it's much easier for us to love, appreciate and defend the natural world if we know more about it. And goodness knows, in 2022 especially, the natural world needs all the advocates it can get. Needless to say, here on Environment Matters, I'll pass on news of local events where you can learn from some wonderful people like those we've heard from today. And if you're running such an event, or if you're looking for an opportunity to learn about something in particular, or perhaps you've discovered something interesting that you'd like to share, do get in touch. You can email me on amanda at radioverulam.com. You can message me through the Environment Matters Facebook page, and you'll find me on Twitter at rv underscore environment. A big thank you to Joe Gray, Miles Soppit, John Pritchard and Heidi Carruthers for taking the time to share their knowledge with us today. I'll be back at the same time next week. Until then, thank you for listening.